Hey everyone, welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to be joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm doing terrific, Todd. Definitely, it's a it's a holiday weekend, and and we actually made it. And it seems like that the country is starting to come back to some sense of normalcy, <laughs> except except in my area. <laughs> We're talking about before the show. Uh, my governor, she uh, she's quite controversial here in Michigan. She's been all over the news, and she uh, <laughs> she opened up the northern part of the state where her cabin is at. You know, most people in Michigan have a cabin someplace. Even my family, we right. have a we have a family cabin up in Cadillac, Michigan. And you, when you go up there, there's a whole well. Anyway, you go up there, you do projects, but you can you know you can stay there free. And uh, yeah. uh, she's got a cabin, so she opened the part of the state where her cabin's at and less, left the less of us, the rest of us down here rot. And uh, <laughs> and uh, basically uh, said, oh, we're going to extend the stay at home until June twelfth. So. And meanwhile, I can drive seven miles. Here's the here's the crazy part. I can drive seven miles to Indiana, and actually, I did last night. I went and had Mexican dinner at a restaurant. Sat down. <laughs> Somehow, that virus doesn't cross the state line. You know, there's something. <laughs> but with social distancing, and uh, we can go shopping, and you know, it's it's kind of so. I was went through the drove through the one parking lot I was in. It was about eighty percent Michigan uh, license plates. So. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone here is just going to Indiana. The bars are open too. That's even more amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah, do you know that the the coronavirus is actually not a living thing? I mean, I I've heard scientists talk about it. And it's not a it's not really a living thing. It's only like a partial DNA or something like that. Yeah, I I don't claim to be a doctor. Thing. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> so it's not something that's like a living organism or something like that yeah well it's it's you know it's definitely deadly for a lot of people but it's i don't know yeah. I, I think it's just gonna be the new norm and you know and here's yeah. kind of the point i made you know and and i don't want to get too deep into this because this isn't a coronavirus show but when i was yeah. in the navy you know you sign up you know what you're getting signed up for you're told where to go what to do when to be there how long you're going to be there when to go home that's really kind of right. the, the scheme of things. Right. And, uh, and, and you, you don't have to like it. <laughs> it's just, it's just the way it is. But the, yeah. and I understood that part, but what I always got angry about was if you had one, one individual that did some, some deed, let's say he went out in town and did something dumb, right. uh, whatever it was, then everyone got punished. Everyone got punished for that deed. It wasn't like, you know, if you're not in your non-military life, you go out and get a DUI, you go to jail, you, you suffer the DUI. Not everyone else is punished. Well, someone may have gotten hurt or whatever. Right. But it's not like they put a put everybody in jail. Well, in the Navy, when many times stuff would happen, they would put us all in lockdown and I would get so pissed. And, and it was not necessarily, I wasn't even so pissed at the person that made a mistake because they were going to pay the price for whatever they did, but just that they held us all to the same regard. And I think that's what's happening here. And usually what happens with that, when you have someone that's overreaching leadership, it comes what goes around comes around. And, um, I don't know. I think people in their, in their, in their essence don't like to be told what to do. I don't think most Americans like to be told you shall do this. 
And I don't think most Americans, I think most Americans are sensitive and we have been, but I think people are getting to a breaking point. I think people have had just about enough. So, and, and don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying that we should go out and, you know, have 800 people in a party where we're all standing yeah, next to each other. I think you still other. need to try and play safe. I mean, but but people are so pissed off, they're out of spite, I think, are just going to like, you know, they're going to double bird the man and do what they're going to do. I kind of see some of that here. So I, I don't know about your area, um, what kind of response you're getting, but 90% of the people here are not wearing masks. And I'm, I'm yeah, not, I'm not seeing a lot of people wearing masks either. And it's, it's yeah. And it's, and let's be honest with you. Once we get into summer here in the U S anyway, um, it's going to be hard to get people to keep masks on because they're going to have a hard time breathing because they're going to get overheated and yep. it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. And I think well, that's, that's, that's just a functional thing. It isn't more that, you know, that I, people don't want to wear. I, I can deal with a, a man. I wore gas mask in Afghanistan. Right. So, right. I you know, you can do it. You, can right. do it. you don't have to like it again, but again, right. it, you know, it is what it is, but I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I have to, I have to be calm. Right. Calm. <laughs> so, you know, and you know, lucky enough, I can, I can drive seven miles and, you know, give Indiana some of my sales tax. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, we should probably talk a little bit about podcast. Or yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Hey, Maybe everybody. That, right? Welcome. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I've, uh, I've been, I really kind of, oh, did you hear about our announcement? I did hear about your announcement, bud. Yeah. Yes. So. And that's exciting stuff. So we're going to be competing head to head with some, a few other companies that are offering some of these services. So yeah. we've introduced private internal podcasting at Blueberry. Right. And, uh, I think the, without doing a sales pitch here, the main difference between our service and some of the others is we are explicitly telling you what you're getting for security. We're not implying. Right. Well, I mean, a lot of these kind of private podcasting platforms are, are not as secure as you would think they are. Well, they, they say um, they are. <laughs> right, right, right. But they don't explicitly say what type of security they get and, uh, and right. we do. You know, because and it's oftentimes not that secure. No. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's also, I mean, some of them are even like, so, you know, pseudo secure. They're not even secure at all. Right, like, you right. You know, the the URLs to the media files, you can share them, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, locking it down too much does create, um, complications oh, oh, absolutely. for the user, right? Yeah. So that's part of the reason for that. You know, and there's different levels, you know, of security and it's, I think we've got eight or nine and at, at the highest security level, it doesn't even, it's really not even a podcast anymore. It's stream media because we can't, right. we can't store it on the device. If I have a bank or a, you know, someone that wants like, okay, what if this, this phone is, they go into the directories and look for that media file. You know, we, yeah, we can encrypt the media file at rest. So it's encrypted on the device, but right. that's not even good enough for some folks to say, we don't want that encrypted file to be on the device. We want, we just want them to be able to hit play and be authenticated. So yeah. it goes all the way from there, all the way up to having signed URLs and having, again, it all depends on what your level of risk is. And we basically right. came up with the full right. stack and the sales team will say, okay, what do you need? 
And yeah. do you really need that? Do you really need that right. extra? Because right. the more security you add, the less, the less access. options you have. Yeah. Right. The, the less access. And, yeah. And in, in most situations, you know, saving to your device, you know, an encrypted version of that file is all the security yeah. that yeah. you really need. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also just access content, mm -hmm. um, is, is where the challenge comes in. And you know, I know Lipson has addressed this up, this issue too, to some degree with, you know, um, making it primarily available on mobile apps. Right. right, right. So you can kind of control the, the consumption and the, the app that it's consumed on. I think the challenge get, get, gets into is how you do it, uh, through like Apple podcasts or somebody right. like that. That's less security for sure. Right. Right. Yeah, matter of fact, right. that's almost the least amount of security. Right. Yeah. So right, because it's an open platform. Right. So right. So one thing we've done is we've we've got an Android and iOS app that are specifically for private podcasting. Right. And then we have a um a private web app too that's essentially a progressive web app. So we have a mm -hmm. but again, depending on security, you may not be able to use the progressive web app. So um yeah, so we, you know, we spent some time on this and a lot of resources and building an app is never cheap. And we're in Well, version. some of this capability was, it has been built into, you know, like SharePoint and some of these type of platforms from some of the big tech companies too. I mean, you know, as back, back when I was working at, at, at Microsoft, there was a podcasting solution for SharePoint um, back in those days too. So, I mean, well, I think that there's always been a corporate need for this because it, even it was, um, something that the company would like to be able to share information and updates with their, yeah. with their employees and have not, you know, that make it out into the public. So, and what's funny is, been a need for it. what's funny is our first really big client with, uh, about 1200 seats, they're on SharePoint and they, they just, they're having so much trouble Yeah, and they want people to be able to take their, their media with them on their phones and be right. able to, you know, SSO sign in with Samuel or whatever right. security system they have to be able to authenticate them. And then yep. another thing yeah, too is the key is the apps. You know, I think yeah. The key is the apps, apps is yeah. what's key. And, and yep. SharePoint doesn't do a very good job with mobile apps stuff. So, so, as you know, as I know anyway. the response has been great. And, you know, we even got the solution all the way for podcasters too. So if right. the podcasters right. collecting money and they want to secure feed, they can do it that way too. So, hmm. but, Anyway, it is what it is. It's what we've been working on. It was the big announcement. One of the the big announcement from Blueberry. Yeah, it was. It and was the the lead announcement off of Pod News. Yeah. Ago. And yeah. it's the phone rang for two days straight. So it's not like we are busy already. So it's good, you know. And I, it, we're not the first, you know, Podbean's done this and others have yeah. got solutions. But again, it's the difference between implied security and actual security. And right. There's a whole lot of difference in code you have to do because it's very easy to hide a, make an RSS feed authenticated, but nine out of 10 times, right. the media file is just sitting out there on some public site. Um, well, I saw that the, the podcast movement folks crossed 35,000 members on their Facebook their group. community. I that's, thought that was a that's pretty impressive. milestone. It is pretty impressive. You know, and I I commend Dan and those guys over there for being able to moderate that group. You know, I don't think anybody over there can freely post. I think every post, I think they have a few people that they, I guess for a better word, pre-approved, but I think that the majority of folks are, you know, you, you post it and then, you know, 
someone reads it and and I think that's the only way to manage it. That's the problem with the the other. There's a, several other podcasts, uh, Facebook groups, but one of them doesn't have enough moderators and it just gets spammed to death. Yeah, that is a problem, right? And there's been some pretty controversial posts on the on that podcast movement Facebook community over the years. Oh, uh, that have kind of got gotten a little nasty at times. Um, I also saw that the Google podcast folks uh, launched uh, CarPlay, a CarPlay yeah. um, support. thought that was an interesting announcement too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, so <laughs> here's something I read and, and, and this guy, I, I think he's a big anchor fan and, and I don't agree with a lot of the things he says over the years. He so said, this is somebody on the podcast movement group. Mm -hmm. So he says, so I've mentioned in the past, we're going to see a shift with podcasts and streaming world, the same way we've experienced with music. A lot of these podcast hosts have been very nearsighted in the way they do business and they failed to move the landscape of the medium. Collecting checks from podcasters don't, collecting checks from podcasters don't know anybody in a lot of cases. Then along came companies like Anchor and Redshift. Many of these folks represent hosts here used weak arguments and sometimes scare tactics keeps them from from making the move. Then Spotify brought Anchor. It's a genius move. So this guy is absolutely in love with Anchor. Yet, he continues to fail to see the sky from the trees and the risk that we run in the podcasting space of all this content right. going behind and being controlled by gatekeepers. And he thinks this is the way for podcasts. Well, it's always been the case, Todd. There's always been folks that, you know, were, were pro free hosting platforms and, and we've seen a pattern, you know, the truth is, is that, uh, anchor probably would have gone out of business if Spotify hadn't purchased them. He says no more paying for ridiculous overpriced podcast hosting. Well, I, here's the thing. This space would not be here, Jeremy. Right. Without these podcast hosts right, and the tools we bring. If I pull the plug today, pull the plug. 75 to 80,000 podcasts go extinct. Right. You know, it's, I really get irritated. Free is free is great. Free is great. You know, and big companies coming in and, and supporting those companies that are free, that's great. Yep. But what happens here is we see what's happening on Facebook and YouTube and other places. You want free. You live on their platform and you live by what they tell you and what they allow and don't allow. Right. It's so short-sighted. It's just, it, it, it drives me absolutely crazy because every, you know, his type of an opinion makes it, makes new podcasters not understand the ongoing, right. Joe Rogan has his own website. Right. He started in the early days of podcasts. He, he built a brand. He built his show. Well, he controls his show. And Early. he controls his show. 
that's why this deal happened is because he's in control of his show and he still is in control of his show when you think about that's it. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's really about, you know, I think if you think about it, you know, think about Facebook and think about these, these free platforms that are out there. There's a price you pay for that. There and is that's a price you pay. Your, your privacy, right? Yeah. And control over what you can do and can't do. And I think that's, that's, there's always a price to pay, right? If you go with a free platform, there's, there's something that that company is getting from you that is valuable to you and it, or to them. Right. right. And he, you know, so if he, the thing is, he just doesn't, oh, I just, yeah. Yeah. So if you, those of you that listen to this show understand, Hey, you know, I have to compete as a, as a podcast host. Rob has to compete as a podcast host against the free sites. Thus far, we're not having a problem competing against those free sites because what do we bring? Customer support. We bring value. We bring tools. We bring ongoing updates, new services. Right. We're bringing things to the podcaster to enable them to be successful in a way that they are in control of. Right. And that's, that's, that's the big difference between what these free platforms typically do. And then you have the whole factor of whether or not these free platforms will survive too, right? You're putting all your energy into building your show on these platforms. There's no guarantee they're going to be around because think about it. How are they paying their bills? I had, a, there are bills. I had a mate, I had a major fortune 100 on a conference call Thursday. And they're hosting somewhere and they have their brand all over on that site. And I'm like, where's, where's your podcast on your corporate site? And said, what's not? And I'm like, why, why? And we, we talked through the scenarios of what they were doing to how they were hurting themselves. And, and I, and I had, an executive. Now, again, this is fortune 100 company. Say kind of verbally after we got done talking, who was the dumb shit? This is what he said. Who was the dumb shit that chose to do it this way? Cause he, after I kind of just five, five, 10 minutes of laying out where I thought their issues was, it's just like the, 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 the light bulb went on in that company. And they, I think some of those folks are working this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're moving them. Right. And it, 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 so not only do you have individuals making bad choices for their shows, you have corporations making bad decisions for their shows. Over the lure of free. Right. So, you know, if you want to be a hobbyist and be over there it, it, and not have build a brand or anything like that, it, it's okay. Yeah. I don't think there's any issue, you know, and I, you know, I think sometimes Todd, we send the message that it's not okay to start a podcast over there. I think it is okay to mm -hmm. start a podcast over there. It just is helpful to know. And, you know, what you're getting into, um, and realize that, you know, maybe that's not going to serve your needs in the long run, but it may serve your needs to get started, you know? So, 
And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. No more paying for ridiculous overpriced podcasting. No more trying to score these weak underpriced ad deals. No more ridiculous pushes for IEB standards. He absolutely has no clue what the reason was that we went and worked towards IEB standards. Yeah. And a company, another company this week that called us mm-hmm. and wanted to talk about podcast stats in itself. And I went in and I showed, I basically showed Geek New Central stats, walked through, showed all the different things mm-hmm. and had this long conversation and, and made them understand the value of what they were getting of having accurate reporting data. Because what they were doing was they were running uh, um, digital campaigns other places. Mm-hmm. And they were looking and said, did I get a lift over here for the show when we advertised in, let's say, Madison, Wisconsin? And I said, well, we can go and look at Madison, Wisconsin, see if your show got a lift over there, you know, if, if you were hosting with us and that type of stuff. There's a reason why, and, and, and not only that, standardization of the marketplace. And he, you know, this, this joker is saying low low CPM rates. Unless I check the deals I'm putting together are pushing now beyond 25, sometimes, sometimes 30 plus dollar CPMs. I haven't done a $20 deal in a long time. Everything's been 25 plus. Those are not low CPM deals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've seen the the 35 to $40 deals too. I mean, those are out there. Yeah they are becoming more often, more common. Right. And, um, I, I, so you have zealots that I'm not a zealot. I think, I think my way is, I think the blueberry way and you guys think the Libsyn way of doing podcasting, we have our fundamental differences in how we do business and how we approach things. But I think in the end, we both can understand that there's room for the free, there's room for competitors, different ideas of doing things. And that's why there's a lot of choices out there. It keeps right. us all moving, but I'm not such a zealot to say it's time for these other platforms. If we go, if, if Libsyn, Blueberry, Podbean, Buzzsprout, all the charge platforms went away, I think the podcasting space would simply collapse. It would collapse. Someone would try to step in and take up the mantra. But there is a value that we bring to our customers that, that this guy doesn't understand. Right. And, and still probably a quarter of podcasting is self-hosted. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. So it, it's not that everybody is on paid hosting. No, not at all. But the, but they are paying for their, Something. their hosting one way or another, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, if they have their own website and they're they're self-hosting, then then in some ways they are paying for a podcast host. So um, it just you know it, they're not going to have the same level of tools that a paid podcast host going to have, and then probably the reliability of delivery isn't there too. So you have kind of multi layers of things that you're, and then. In the past, I don't know if it's so much the case now, Todd, uh, around self-hosters, but they've had a hard time getting into some of the listening platforms yes. because a lot of listening platforms have been working directly with the podcast yeah. hosts. 
so, and so yeah. and so what we what we have now is um I lost my train of thought here um we have the ability with our podcast to be open and free no right. controls no agendas right. well you the and, podcaster kind of control everything that's right, right. and and right. what i provide as a podcasting provider is support Call a friend when you need a friend. Email us. You take care of that dirty work that you don't want to mess with. You want to you want to fo- focus on, and it's not dirty work. You focus on what you need to do to create your content. I provide convenience. You know, I provide you save time. I provide you to be able to write your blog post, upload and publish in your blog post. That's what I provide. I I save you ten or fifteen minutes because you don't have to go to at least from us, you don't have to go to a third party website to publish your show. It's all of that. You know, so everyone thinks that a pot, you know, just like, and there's still this misnomer out there that I I get it all the time from someone that's been podcasting for a while, tells you how much people really don't understand the space. They say, can I get my show distributed the same place as Libsyn or Podbean or, and I go, listen, RSS feed is, is an equal entity. It's your transmitter. You can get distributed the same exact places with any RSS feed. Doesn't matter if I provide it. Doesn't matter if PowerPress provides it. Doesn't matter if Libsyn provides it. Doesn't matter if Podbean provides it. That RSS feed will go everywhere right. that you need to go. And once they realize that, once they go, oh, because some people feel like they are, they, they, some people have the belief, and I see it more and more and more, that it's, there's something magic that happens with certain podcast hosts. Oh, I can get over here. I'm like, uh, yeah, you can get the same place over here too. Yeah. And I think that what we have to continue is, as podcasters, those of us that are, those of you listening to this show is we need to keep hammering home to new podcasters that this is open source, open distribution. You choose where you need to be. You host with who you want. That's, that's. The- well, and, and to kind of add on to that, um, as hosts, you know, Blueberry, Lipson, Podbean, all of the big, um, hosts out there, we all accept the fact that podcasters move around. Mm-hmm. They change hosts. So we've all built in processes and, yep. and step documents to make it easy for people to change hosts. That's so, right. And people do it all the time. So it, it, it it's really um, all of us being able to, to support what the podcaster wants to do. It's basically Lipson and Blueberry or whatever, we're basically platforms that empower you to do what you want to do with podcasting. We don't want to be the front facing brand. We don't want to be the focus. We just want to be the tool provider. Yeah. And you know, in, in comments like this and this, these types of groups, I can get in there and really, and the thing is he's, he is, this individual is set in his mindset. Right. Nothing you will say, but the thing is we have to, and, and, and people can go in and argue against him, but he is so vocal. Sometimes the small minority 
can cause a lot of disruption can cause, and I'm not talking about business, but cause podcasters to make wrong choices. Because there's a period, it goes about every two years. About every two years, you guys see it too. We'll end up getting in a, in, into a time frame where we're having to go and clean up messes. Right. Uh, you know, spill an aisle six, right? And you go in there and a whole row of Pepsi has dumped off the counter and you got a thousand gallons of Pepsi running down the street, running down the aisles because they stacked it wrong. <laughs> You know, and unfortunately, someone has done a class and 200 people have been taught how to stack it wrong from the beginning. And you go in and you have to clean up a mess. Now, fortunately, that we're not in a cycle. I don't think we're in a cycle like that right now. But there are periods of time where we have seen that and where I've had to go in and clean up messes because of ill, ill advice that has been given. Right. And I find people, too, now are graduating in different ways up or down off of different platforms. You know, someone's got started with us. They're doing it the blueberry way and they decide, Hey, I'm just having fun with this. I don't need a website. We're good. We just pull them back. They can just be on, they can publish on blueberry on the dashboard. Don't need a WordPress site. They just want to publish a show. And then there's others that go the other way. They're, they started off, they thought, well, maybe I just want to publish and have be distributed. And, and now I think I'm going to take it to the next level. And people, right. right. So people go both ways, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's something there for everyone. Well, I think every podcaster has their own unique strategies <clears throat> that they want to implement with what they're doing with their show. And that's really the power of the podcasting space is that there's not one way to do this. Right. There's no rules. And, and, and that's what I find. I've worked with thousands of new podcasters, existing podcasters. And I tell you, pretty much all of them uh, want to do things a, a little bit different. A little different. So, right. So you, you have a customization aspect to this. And that's what, one of the things that a lot of the podcast hosts have taken into consideration over the years is building tools that enable you to customize and to do the things that they want to do. I mean, that can be a complex problem for a technology company to solve is giving people the ability to do things in a bunch of different ways, but, you know, to kind of funnel them down the most efficient way, but to give them the flexibility to customize what they do. Yeah. And it's just like some gals I had here in the office earlier in the week. I kept telling them, I says, you can take all my advice and use it or none at all. There's no rules here. You make it up yourself. And I think as long as we realize that podcasters have the, you know, we keep telling podcasters they can do that because I I learn stuff all the time. I see somebody something and I say, Oh, what you doing there? That's kind of cool. Well, that's how this medium has grown. I think over the 15, 16 years that it's been around is people try different things. I mean, there's been so much experimentation that has been going on in this medium since it started. Um, you know, back when we started, Todd, we were hand coding RSS feeds. <laughs> so, <clears throat> which, which comes, <laughs> comes with its own, um, <clears throat> uh, risks, right? Yeah. That, uh, it was so that, easy to break feeds. We're, we're dating ourselves really, really bad, but that's the truth. Now I was lucky though. I don't think I ever hand coded. I'm thinking about this because when I got started, someone, I was on movable type. CMS at the beginning. And I was there for two or three years before we introduced PowerPress. So 
there was some sort of, not a plug-in, but something was made pretty fast that allowed it to work. And I don't think I had to do, I don't think I had to do feeds by hand. I, I, I don't ever remember coding feeds by hand, but. Well, they had a tool that you could get where you could. Um, yeah, there was a software tool could, that do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. The, you could kind of like upload your episode into, yeah. and it would create a URL path, and then it would spit out an RSS feed. Yeah, right? I might have so, used that for a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. and that RSS feed document you would upload to your server, and that's how you updated the RSS feed. Yep. So you had to replace the RSS file on the server, and, it, and that RSS feed be generated locally on your computer, and it would FTP up to the server, and that's how you updated it. Um, yeah, I did that for, for a while, you know, on my new website that I had back in 2004. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I, and as I, as I've often told people, yeah, we're lucky. People are lucky today. Again, I don't want to be this old curmudgeon in here, but you know, we, we really made stuff up as we went and, um, so I think oftentimes you and I can get critical on people because we have this, you know, this historic advantage being the dinosaurs that we are knowing that, you know, knowing some stuff was tried and, and failed oh, yeah. or succeeded. And there's very little that's new as far as in our eyes, right? Yeah. Out there. And there's certainly things that are, um, perceived as new out there that are not really new, but maybe the times have changed. So what was tried in the past maybe didn't work, but maybe now it's, there's a good reason to do it because there actually was a good reason to do some things in the past There there just wasn't uh, an acceptance of it where now, and I think one of those things is transcriptions and um, audio, you know, getting in and trying to index the audio yeah. I think was tried many times in the past and many startups failed. Um, and then, then you saw, you know, a company like Apple acquire, uh, you know, a company that did audio transcription and all that stuff. And you can kind of see how times have changed. Right. Um, but you know, fundamentally that is a front facing reason for a company is, is a completely different conversation. It's not, it's a feature. It's not a company. You know, um, you know, if, if, and uh, Craig on here is right. He says, I'm not sure that folks who look for cheap or free service in any industry are the best clients to have. Well, you know, I guess I'll let you, someone else debate that, but free doesn't pay for my empty office space and benefits and paychecks and rent and 401ks and electricity. And Todd, I hope the audience caught what you just said with the significance of it but my it was, empty office uh, yeah your, your empty office right <laughs> yeah because my office is empty i it's you know it doesn't stop rent from happening you know right 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 yeah yeah my well, landlord we're all you know working from home now so you know i i think that the commercial real estate market is definitely um in in some trouble i think my sister's you know right on the other side of this wall is a two thousand square foot empty office space you know so Right. Um, you know, if anyone needs some commercial real estate in Coldwater, Michigan, I, I got a, I got a spot for you. We'll make you a deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Literally I will, we'll make you a deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I, I just, uh, we're, we're in a time of podcasting where 
any any of us could be put company wise at risk based upon some new entrant in the space. And um, but I think what we have to also realize is that there is a value in having uh, someone that cares about independent content creators and can put a a name to a face and a named or a voice to a show and helping them grow their shows and not some autonomous entity that could be a Google or a Facebook or an Apple or anyone like that that's going to offer some sort of free um, where you can't get any help, where your content could be taken down because you say something wrong, where there's a change in business model. You know, thank goodness there is, I would hope. And again, uh, I know his opinion is largely a minority opinion. Well, it's, it's you know, his opinion. <laughs> and he has right. his right to it. But um, I choose to not think that is sound advice to be under the control. Would you, how, can you imagine the podcasting space being completely under the control of Spotify? Uh, I can't even imagine it because there's no way it'll happen. It would be a sad day. <laughs> Bad day, you know. I just don't see it. There's any pathway for that to actually happen. And you know, those of you who are watching live last week, we, you know, you you got to hear me say some f bombs when I showed something on the screen I wasn't supposed to. And Rob said it was a record f bomb thing, but you know, it basically I've got a slide in a deck that I have um, put together that um, we are a community of rebels, and we do not believe in control and are highly resistive to control. And there's some, some good adjectives, I guess that'd be the best way to describe it that are um, four letter words that we could use to talk about control and how we think the man is when it comes to the podcasting space. Uh, I don't like control. Well, and, I think, you know, what you're talking about right now is the, the, the roots of the medium. And where, where are we starting? We've talked about this before, and I, I won't spend a lot of time on this because I, I know a lot of the people who listen to this have heard it many times, but um, the, that's exactly what the roots of this medium is. We're, we are not a medium that conforms to norms. We are a medium that's trying to do something unique and, and new in media. And it's been that way, and it continues to be that way in a majority way, even though there's constant pressure for that to change. And I don't you know, want, I don't want to sound like NPR. I don't want to sound like radio. I want to be able to start this show off and talk about a few minutes about what we did and not be constrained. I want to be able to go on tangents. I want to cuss if I need to. That's right. Right. It's it, guess what we make, we, you and I, Rob, we kind of control ourselves a little bit, but we make up yeah. the rules as we go on this show. Right. There's no, I mean, sure. There's years and years of experience between the two of us of doing podcasts, and 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 we do have a fairly advanced knowledge on how to to do this stuff. Um, but I would never think that I'm, you know, an expert at this stuff, just because <laughs> because really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's um, we're always learning. We're always trying to improve. Yeah. I'm always trying to keep up with what's happening out there, and and you know, you and I, Todd, and and many others are always pushing against, um, people that want to change the medium, uh, 
to something that maybe favors them economically or in some business interest or, um, and sometimes it's just because they don't have a fundamental understanding of the purpose of the medium and how this medium was built. And what we've been talking about this whole time is really a reflection of that. I don't know, Todd, before we jump and continue on this thread, you see Tom Webster um, created a podcasting newsletter this week. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's at uh, tomwebster.substack.com. Tom Webster. So, Webster.substack, S-T-A-C-K.com. And so I guess he's going to start writing, uh, I don't know if it's daily or weekly or something like that. Um podcasting newsletter and he posted his first okay. article up there i have my uh, just, I, I have a safe su- a screen up <laughs> yeah, <a> safe. <laughs> so click on the link on the screen so todd has pulled up uh tom webster's new ne- newsletter and and it's a, at the very top it says enter the spot cast right so you know i appreciate tom jumping in there and starting to create some some uh so often is he going to do some, this some discussion i thought he said it was either going to be daily or weekly i can't i can't can't remember but you can subscribe to it at, you know you, you can see the subscribe button on the Oops. screen so todd's actually showing the screen here oh my gosh i just screwed up here uh what are you doing i don't know <laughs> let me bring myself back here before i get myself in trouble i don't know the screen disappeared so but you know i think this is so I, I encourage people to have a voice in right. your podcast. Right. Newsletters are great, but I could have never have ranted for 10 minutes on that Facebook post in a newsletter. <laughs> right. I really, well, Tom also does podcasts too, but I think he, he probably felt the need to have a regular input into this stuff. Um, I mean, I think, we should invite Tom to come back on the, on the show to, to talk about this stuff to some degree. But, um, you know, some of his points in, in this post that he made, um, are about kind of the, the advertising market of what's happening in podcasting, you know, and, and w- whether or not this deal that Joe Rogan did with Spotify is good or bad for podcasts. Um, and some of, you know, Tom and I, Tom and you and I don't always agree on stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's been fairly easy to see in the past, but we're all still friends and we all still talk on a regular basis. But he did make a post in here about the, the advertising market. And, and you know, one of the, the paragraphs that's in here is, um, and I'm going to read it here and just see what your reaction is, Todd, but never forget that media buyers and brand teams have one singular and shared goal. And it's not to get fired. Oh, that's okay. a fact. Just, just, just have that as the underlying Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. If advertising, if advertisers or advertisers choose to spend their money on Spotify merely as a flight to perceive safety over buying RSS distrib- distributed podcasts, like what Joe Rogan, you know, used to be, as he looks forward. Um, that would certainly change the calculus of podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Media buyers. First of all, if you're a media buyer and you're listening to the show, some of you are lazy. Right. You get a DR, not a DR, a RFP, and you just change the dates on it. If it's performing, your job in the company is to spend that money wisely. 
not have, have a good response, make the boss happy so that in two years you can move up or across to a different agency. So media buyers at the base level are not risk takers. Right. They're not. You, 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 you have to go higher in the stack to find someone in the company that is willing to be a risk taker to buy into podcasting. That's been the challenge for all these right. years. Right. But in, in a sense, though, what I'm, I guess, disappointed in is that media buyers are unwilling to treat this space the same way they treat radio, television, print, everything else, especially when you're going through folks like me that will help right. plan, put them in right. shows safely, and they don't treat this space equally at all. We are still the bastard stepchild of the media space. That's why we're not at a billion dollars in advertising spend yet. Mm -hmm. And that's just a, that's a rounding era in global advertising. Right, exactly. And Tom does also talk about this topic too. He says, privacy hawks and defenders of the Torah of podcasting, which I guess we are mm -hmm. in that camp to some degree, um, have chafed at anything that would tie a listener to any kind of personally identified Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And they will also maintain that targeting is perfectly perfectly attainable without the personally identified information. Um, and, and, you know, let's say you want to reach people who want to change their oil, advertise on CarCast. That's all true. So, you know, I mean, I think what, what he's saying here somewhat, if I want to summarize it is, is that we are resisting this temptation to utilize personally identified information to greater target podcast, uh, podcast listeners. And that that is somehow a potential threat to podcast advertising market. Oh, it's a threat to listener privacy. It's not a threat because advertisers are going to dictate what they want. Right. And you right. can either take it or leave it. And, and when, and he also mentions it in here, when advertisers see that data being provided by, let's say, example, Spotify, um, um, then they are not then going to unwant it, right? Oh, absolutely. From the rest of the podcasting, right? So that does put us in a position where we're pushing against this for privacy reasons. And I think, you know, one, one of the things that we need to point out here is that one of the reasons why we push against personally identifiable information is the fact that the podcast medium as a whole is not a controlled platform that does not have a process for people to opt in to be tracked. And that's where, where we run up against these new laws that are coming into play here. So it's not necessarily that all of us are against per, utilizing personally identifiable information, but the listener needs to be able to say whether or not that's okay. I've had sideline calls with big, 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 big agencies. Right. They know that the clock is ticking on this. They know that they got a year or two maybe three before right. this data dries up right. before people have had enough and they're going to get as much information as they can. And it's going to be legislated away from them. 
But is that also going to apply to proprietary platforms like a Spotify? Or well, if you've agreed to the Apple. terms of service, no. Right. Yeah. So this could be some growing pressure against the open nature of podcasting, right? Well, if, if the medium is all about advertising, which I believe it is not. 90% of the medium is not monetized. 90 maybe 95% right. of the space is not monetized. So when we argue that somehow this is a threat to podcasting, it's kind of missing 90% of the podcasting market, which has nothing to do with advertising. Right. So many shows don't care or don't right. want. So that's we'll never the want. that, you know, I think that a certain segment of this podcast industry focuses on that 10%, right? My large majority of my customers don't care about advertising. Right. You know, of, of my customers, maybe, us. maybe I'll just, I'll just tell you about two to 3000 of my customers care about advertising. The rest have no, yeah. no desire to ever be monetized. Right. Though we must be fair on this and say that many of those shows would love to monetize, right? Mm. They would love to make money from what they're doing, depending on their model, right? If their model is promoting something else or it's a business podcast or if it's something to do with their own product right. or service. And, and, but they're I mean, doing many that. shows have no interest in external Right. They're doing that already if they're selling right. a service or selling themselves or as a consultant. Right. I'd be careful there how I worded that. Um, right. But so there's many means and many, you know. Ways what, to monetize well, that don't involve everything. Right. And it's really not. And it's building authority, build, building engagement. It's a, whatever it may be. So I think when, when people talk about this stuff, you just have to keep that in mind. Not This whole medium is not about advertising. Actually, the truth of the matter is, it is at its core, going back in 15 years, it was anti-advertising. So what we've done over the 15 years is we've opened our minds that advertising is okay in this medium and the listeners have started to accept it and it's, but it's been many years and a long process for listeners to accept advertising this medium because this medium exists because radio took advantage of them on the advertising side and over populated the content with advertising messages. And, right? we're, and we're getting to that point in some shows, but right. <laughs> I've told this story a hundred times for those of you brand new. I introduced my advertise. I, first of all, tell you how sensitive they were. Yeah. When I, I got my book deal in November of 05, I didn't announce it until March of, no, November of 04, didn't announce it to March of 05. I think I actually announced it on episode 69, if I, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, if my feeble brain here still working. I lost, I got so much hate mail because I took money. How it was, this is a classic email. How dare you have taken money to write a book about podcasting? And you're a sellout now. You're a sellout. I lost half my audience, right? Half my audience, because how dare I take money to write a book? Now, how can, can you imagine someone saying that to you today? I got, well, I, I got I mean, hundreds of emails. See, you know, what happened to Joe Rogan? Todd. Yeah. And you can see, see the same thing that happened to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan got half hate mail and half <laughs> positive <laughs> mail or comments on, on YouTube, I believe. 
it was like 18,000. Right. It was 50, 50 um, positive and, and like 21,000 negative or something like that about him doing this deal with Spotify. So, so, so when, know, so when I announced, right. so all, all my, all my audience members that were non-commercial, how dare you take money? Then when I announced I did have an ad deal, in actual true ad deal in June of 05, I didn't lose any more audience because the, you already, the, lost them. I already lost them. The haters were gone. <laughs> <laughs> so just go for it then. Tom. Right, right. I already lost them all. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I tell people that and they just, they can't even comprehend. Right. <laughs> but how times have changed. Thank God. <laughs> Well, times have changed for 10% of the podcasting space, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, Yeah. And so just keep that in <laughs> mind as you think about, as you read these articles uh, talking about how, how podcasting is under threat because we're not uh, using personally identifiable information to drive more ads into your show, just realize that we're talking about a very small part of podcasting. <laughs> so, right. well, it's good. It's in, you know, that'll give, Tom, thanks for doing the newsletter. It's going to give us some fodder. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're all valid points. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're not bashing on Tom. No, Tom no. Is, Tom is reflecting a very valid um, position. But it gives us some good talking. It gives us something to talk about. <laughs> right. But he is re representing a very valid point on right. the advertising side, the 10% or 15% of the podcasting space. This is an ongoing discussion, right? Uh, how do we grow advertising in the podcast space? How, how do we reach, you know, a billion dollars in revenue on the, the advertising side? There is a will and a way if we want to, to be able to get listeners to opt in. There is a way we can do this. Nope. We, there, there is a very simple way. As a matter of fact, it would take about two or three hours to put the spec together right. to be able to do that. But everybody has to work together. The, the app, the, here's, here's the problem. Apple, Google, Overcast, all these apps will never, never. And this is my, someone proved me wrong. These apps will never allow listeners to opt in to being tracked. Right. They will never do it. We can want it all day long. Todd could make a proclamation today. Let 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 the tracking begin. Let's 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 do attribution on listeners. Dun dun dun. I can say all that. The app developers will never do it. And that's all that we're we're actually reflecting when we push back on this stuff. Is that we all, you know, you can't look at a podcast host to to make this happen. No, you know. You know, that, that's just, it's not the way it works. Cause I don't, so, the yeah. only listeners I touch are the ones that come to blueberry.com and listen on the directory. Right. That's it. I don't touch it. I don't touch listeners other way. I mean, if you're going to complain about this, you need to talk to the app developer. Yes. Go talk to Marco. <laughs> Marco will never, never, never. I love data. So. I love, I love all this type of information. This is all makes stuff more valuable. I love right. this stuff. Right. If I could get listeners to opt in and say, yes, you can track my IP. 
and tie it to Amazon, tie it to Facebook, tie it to what I do in Google, tie that all together, tie it to my mobile movements. Fantastic. This we can we can then monetize, right? But the app developers yeah, will do never we really want that, Todd. Well, I'm just I'm think, playing devil's yeah, advocate I here. I know you are. We don't really want to be like Facebook, do we? I'm so, playing devil's advocate here. Right, right. The app developers will never do it. And it's because they don't oh, want there's to be Tom. like Facebook. Right. Well, I did say it only applies to the okay. Well, I did say it only applies to those who make their primary income from podcasts, which as you say is a minority. So Tom's listening. Thanks for being here, Tom. Yeah. You know, and it's true though, on the opting in, that if the app developers decided that they were going to but then but the thing is, how then do we how do we use that data? So as an example, let's say the let's just say some app, the Acme podcast app, allows listeners to opt in to be tracked, then mm -hmm. where does that go? It, it, there's 25 hosts. So are, is that app developer going to send, send a single back to Blueberry, back to Libsyn, back to Acast, back to Podbean? Are they going to have to single us back? So now they're going to need some sort of data sharing arrangement with us, or right. or they send it back to some media buyer they send it back to some media company send the signal there when you're when you're all your own self-contained system like spotify is you collect all that data you have right. all that you've opted in it's a you, control you, your single the entity is a control uh, platform right I mean, it is i mean youtube can do all this stuff too but you're never going to get just this is why uh rad failed yeah, it's exactly the same exactly thing. Exactly the yeah. same thing. Well, Rad had other vulnerabilities like like ad blocking software from from you know learning where the location of all right. the ads were. But I, I <laughs> just the other but I, you know, yeah. I, I think we all want this opted in data. Right. That, you know, look at what Google's providing now with their client side data. It's fantastic. It really is. And you know, we're all data junkies to an extent. So, but Plus, you know, I, to be real, real frank with you, I just, you know, nobody's been able to really prove to me that there's a substantive difference in ROI between, oh, uh, <laughs> personally identifiable information usage and actual ROI on pod, podcast advertising. Again, talking to people that are run, have run attribution campaign and finding out the result, it's my name. It's just a yeah, little is bit it worth all the effort to parse your audience like that. The majority I, of the, at least the people, I, if there's a company that's had fantastic results, I want to talk to them because you know, if you know someone that's had, I mean, the substantial, substantial improvements in ROI because of attribution data, love to talk to you on the show. Really would. I mean, I'd love to have that conversation because I'm the conversations I'm having with people that have ran campaigns that have done attribution. It's just they're, not. They say it's. They said, "Well, it just cost me a lot of money." Right. I mean, I mean, you have to really think about what the real motivations of all this is, and it is to placate the the needs of the buyers, but it's also a way for proprietary platforms to say, "Hey, um, advertise over here because we can get you more data." Well, the but the value is that more data really going to drive higher higher ROI. The value to the advertiser is: Are they buying other stuff of mine? And it building a profile picture of that 
person to be able to advertise to them at the time they need to be advertised to on the products that they think they may be coming up and needing. Right. And then they could share that data with other platforms and make money from that. You buy a pregnancy test kit with your, with your credit card that immediately get credit card data reports upline that you are now potentially pregnant. And the next thing you knew, you start getting, uh, it's just, this is the, this is what I saw when, you know, this is many years ago when mm -hmm. we got pregnant and it was just like, wow. And we actually paid cash for our pregnancy tests and the information got out through someone leaking it at the hospital. So there's more, you know, they're collecting. Yeah, I mean, I'm a marketing guy. I went to college and got a marketing degree. I, I did advertising campaigns for back in the nineties and the two thousands for major corporations. Um, uh, I'm that, I mean, that's my background is in marketing. Um, there's, you know, radio, television, sampling in grocery stores, you know, the, the real heart and soul of marketing is, is my background. Right. Um, and I just, I push back on this, um, you know, ad targeting is, you know, it's a slippery slope, right? There's benefits, but then there's downsides to it. Right. So, you know, you as a individual in the, on this planet, you have to decide what side on this issue are you going to take? Right. At, you know, and and yeah. where can it go that's good or bad? And is it worth it? Yeah. So we beat a dead horse here. Addy said, rad, what? NPR, Addy, NPR, just do NPR and RAD and you'll find right. the NPR initiative from back in 2017. All the way back in 2017. <laughs> and there hasn't been really anybody that's adopted it. No. Well, even an app that they own <laughs> ownership in didn't implement it. So. I think it was what, what, um, pocket cast. Yeah. And, yeah. Pocket cast and, never implemented and the NPR one app, I think supported it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. So you have some news. I do. Yeah. Uh, something about the podcast Academy. Oh yes, yes, yes. Did you guys okay. get any domain spot yet? Um, I haven't looked into that, Todd. <laughs> The only thing I can say right now is that there is going to be a, a an announcement of the complete board that's going to come out here soon, and and the composition of that, and the membership is going to open up for the podcast academy on um, June twenty second. So that's the current plan. So yeah, is that, that you guys? No. It's, oh. It's, yeah. Oh, sorry. The <laughs> <laughs> different different thing but um but so, yeah so how much is membership going to be well uh regular membership is a hundred dollars but um the the initial launch period of the of the academy is going to be at fifty dollars and when's it launching on june 22nd hmm. so so it hasn't been officially announced so I, i'm just dropping dropping a little leak on this one Ooh, okay but um but so, it's, it's going to be, you know, all, all the information is going to come out closer to that time frame. So did they stop the stupidity and having to be validated by five podcasters and, you know, how's, how is this validation for independent podcaster that you're a podcaster to be able to apply to be part of the Academy? Has that been figured out? There's still, it's still being pulled together right now. So I can't really say specifically on that right now. So. Okay. 
Is that discussion point that's going around there? Pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not going to be an issue. I think that the board has shifted to some degree to be really, really uh, more open to the independent side of podcasting. And I think that it's, it's heading in a positive direction and I'm, they, they wanted me to be the chairman of the, of the organization. So that's, that, that's a little bit of a reflective of the, the direction of the, uh, the organization, I think. Hey, Rob, you know, I got this cool thing called the podcast awards. Uh, boy, it'd be a great thing for podcast Academy to buy. Yes, it would be, <laughs> but I think you want too much for it. Todd. <laughs> you might be surprised. Really? <laughs> you have quite a deal for me, huh? Uh, uh, not for you, for the Academy. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. No, I just, uh, I, tease in here, but, uh, I, I know you are. Yeah, yeah. If anybody does want to buy the podcast awards, uh, bring your checkbook. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be it too. It must be a big check. Too, no, it's Rob, not. Right? This I thing doesn't. Physically, it, a big check. Rob, it, it doesn't. Like Ten bucks. It doesn't make no money. Physically, giant check. It's 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 you know it it's it barely breaks even. So you know, <laughs> I don't charge two hundred and fifty dollars per registration like the Webbies do. You know, so oh, that's true. Well, <laughs> they announced the their winners are. I, 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 think, I think we talked about it. We talked about it in the last show. Right. Right. <laughs> Maybe we didn't, but I don't think we did actually, you know, yeah. Cause I talked about it on the podcast insider and I'll basically say the same thing I said on the podcast insider. A lot of the names are very familiar and very much from networks and very much from commercial entities that probably could have paid to pay afford to pay the registration fee of $250 per. I think that's again, if you're the webbies and I'm giving the wrong number, don't sue me, but I I think the last time I checked five years ago was two hundred fifty dollars to enter the Webby. So let me. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Let me Google. Yeah, I used to be a judge on the Webbies years ago. Uh, how? But, uh, but Todd, did you see Captivate announced that they have achieved IAB certification? Yes, I did. And he said that in was, record time too. That was that was good news. So I guess there's eleven uh, podcast hosts that are now certified compliant. Eleven is the number. Well, I thought it was so, seven. Uh, well, uh, it looks like, looks like if you look at the list, there are, let's see. While you're looking, eight. while you're looking that up, the Webby Awards, of course, they charge a fee of $275 for websites yep. and up to 475 for each advertising campaign entry. Wow. Okay. So. So it looks like, um, ACAST has two IAB certifications. So it's ACAST is twice, Art19, Blueberry, Captivate, uh, Lipson, Omni, uh, Simplecast, Spreaker, Brighton Digital, and Wooshka. So what's that total count? Eight? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and eleven. Oh, all good. Eleven. That's so, awesome. So ten... Ten if you count ACAST having two. All right, so ten. I right. don't know why ACAST has two, but... Well, one's for ACAST open, and the other one is for just ACAST. Okay, so ten. Yeah. So that's good, and uh, hopefully there's a few more. We want everyone to become IEB certified. Podbean is still not IEB certified. Uh, Megaphone is not IEB certified. Oh, well, that's... For sure. Um, and let's see who else. Fireside is not. 
Castbox is not. Uh, Buzzsprout is not. Um, Audio Boom is not. Anchor <laughs> is not. I had to laugh. Tom says running an award show and doing what we do both require a pretty thick skin. I think my skin is thick enough for only one of those things. So I don't think I'll be writing <laughs> you that check, Todd. Oh, hey, yeah. um, the truth is, if you've been a podcaster as long as us, <laughs> you develop a thick skin. So it's just part of the process. And I have made that, I cha- that change, that major change we made to the award system about three years ago has really made a difference. Oh, made a right. big difference. Yeah, that contention right. of that daily voting really was the thing that caught me the most grief right and uh of course i caught a lot of grief when i changed that so those folks that were winning and winning and winning again and again and again through how should we say social organizing um is not as as effective <laughs> they were actually pretty pretty creative as i recall oh they were they were very creative and uh we won't say any more than that at this point because it, it <laughs> The, the trolls will come out of the woodwork and start blasting on me again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That doesn't happen, Todd. Uh, yeah, and then there was the one year that the awards were done in, oh my God, by the the new media folks. Not not the, not us, but the new media expo. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a rough year to sit in the audience. Um, I, I, I remember... I drank quite a bit and was liquored up and uh, just sit there and shook my head. So I saw that the Audacity podcast uh, or um, audio editing tool publish a new version. I guess yeah, the 2.4.1, I think the, the first publish that they did last week uh, failed or something like that. So Yeah, they had some bugs. and uh, yeah. So a lot of people are still publishing with Audacity and I guess, you know, it's a free tool, so do i'm i'm still love my adobe edition i'm still pretty hardcore on that yeah but there's a lot of new tools a lot of new editing tools out there hindenburg hindenburg's integrated with a lot of the hosting platforms so that's a good one yeah christine says hey rob i want to work for that academy well (laughs) no one is actually getting a salary right now christine they got they got to raise a bunch of money to fund it. And that's going to be the key. If the podcasters don't get behind the podcast Academy, it will not exist because there won't be enough cash to do what they want to do. And at least I'm and that. I'm, that's my opinion. Rob can vote otherwise or say otherwise, but I think that's the case. Well, the Academy does have an executive director. So, so, and, and we'll, we'll learn. I mean, the community will learn more about that in the next few weeks. So, Oh, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, so it sounds like change has been afoot. Well, it's, it's more improvement in, in recognizing how these organizations are actually built. Right now. Come on, Christine. We, we're not, we're not going to, this is no advertising podcast providers here. We, we love you, but, uh, uh, no promotion of, uh, you know, especially on my personal site. Come on now, you you know that I'm a the CEO of Blueberry Podcasting. Yeah, I, I I'll I'll accept most anything, but we're not going to advertise other podcast hosting providers on my profile. <laughs> Nothing against you. Don't take it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. 
So anything else going on, Todd, that you can think of? You know, I just, uh, you know, Friday, um, cut my team loose at about noon, um, and spent, uh, you know, the rest of the afternoon really kind of trying to refresh and regroup because I think, you know, different parts of the country are in different stages. And, uh, I just was like, I can't believe, you know, that, um, what the past 10 or 11 weeks have brought to the podcasting space. And, right. um, I think that, uh, the growth has been phenomenal. You know, we've all, we're all staying very, very busy. And, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not one to complain about that at all, but I, I just wonder and continue to reflect, will these shows hold out? And my, Mike and I even were talking about it on Thursday, you know, seeing people starting second and third shows, you know, will those shows be able to, continue to be maintained over the long haul and uh oh she just all right so let so anyway that's what i'm saying and christine goes i'm just asking because they're new and have a system going i hadn't heard of before yeah i don't know anything about red circle Do you know anything about red circle podcast hosts no i haven't actually seen seen much on it i mean i'll, I'll definitely go go check it out yeah i haven't i haven't heard todd um I see a post in the pod news about transistor shares their numbers saying that 22% of all the listens to their podcasts on their hosting platform, uh, are from Spotify. Are you seeing 22%? No way. No way. Not even close. I'm not either. So barely not, not in double, not even near, well, six and a half, maybe globally. Yeah. I think we're seeing about 9% on the Lipson profile or on the Lipson platform. Um, but transistor is showing 22%. So of course it's hard to say the transistor platform isn't IEB certified either, as far as a metrics platform either. So it's hard to say, you know, Tom. and also are they on pass through or are they, or is Spotify still hosting the shows for them? And they're, they're just getting their numbers off of Spotify too. That that's the other part that, that we wouldn't have the answers to. Rob, Tom let the cat out of the bag. He did. He did. Uh, it actually scrolled off my comment screen, but he let the cat out of the bag who your executive director is. Oh, okay. He <laughs> <laughs> posted in the, it's in the comments. Anybody's interested, you have to go over to okay. Facebook and look. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Christine something. Yeah. All right. So I don't know who she is. Rob, uh, Tom says, I've worked with her in the Audio Publishers Association for years. She'll get things done with the Academy. Um, yeah, I'm going to be doing a webinar with her um, coming up. Here. Uh, oh, Christine so. says they don't charge for hosting, but they take 30% of revenue. So here's a challenge with a, a platform like that, Christine. So you're talking about Transistor? No, uh, Red Circle. Oh, Red Circle. Okay. So you're going to get whatever ad they feed you. If right. they're going to monetize, you have no choice of the, I would assume you're not going to have any choice of ads. That Maybe you do have a filter, but. I would be surprised. And, and are they running red circle ads? Cause I know that's right. what anchor did for a long time. And is it remnant? Is it like stuff that right. you hear at three o'clock in the morning on the radio? That's right. what I would worry. Tom says, I thought that was common knowledge. Well, maybe it is. Oh, oh boy. Todd, I saw an article in uh, pod news saying the open podcasting ecosystem is dying. Here's how to save it. <laughs> It's time to com compete, not complain. Wow. Who said that? 
Uh, some guy that wrote an article on uh, Substack. Um, let's say, yeah, and it's in in reaction to the whole Rogan. Joe Rogan deal with Spotify. So there's been you know a lot of speculation that that Joe Rogan deal is somehow some sort of a symbol of the death of the podcasting medium, which is so not true. I think it's a <laughs> it's a victory for a content creator. Right. And if if Spotify, the more people Spotify sign, congratulations to them. But the, you know, the ninety nine point nine percent of us will still be here on the open space. So and Joe's actually not going anywhere until the end of the year. So it, he's still doing this same thing he's been doing. If someone and, came to New Media Show, if Spotify came to us and said, "We'll give you a hundred thousand dollars a year to be on." to be on a, uh, to be on Spotify exclusive. You know what I would say to Rob? We've made an executive decision. We're going to Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> then we will get trash. Oh, we'll fine. It is follow the money. But, okay. <laughs> would if, it, oh, so in all honesty, if they came, if they, them. I don't want the money. Okay. So if Sorry. they, oh, come on. If they came back and said, <laughs> we're going to give you a hundred grand, a hundred grand a year. Right. For this show to be on Spotify, would you go? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Hundred grand it split two ways. That's fifty minus taxes. That's down to thirty-eight, thirty-seven. So. So that doesn't uh, preclude me from starting a new show, though, Todd. Right? Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably it would. I'm sure it would. You know, I've had some deals for come through to me over the years for Geekdom Central try to go exclusive, and I set a number on what that would have to be, and it was mm -hmm. basically three times revenue of what the show was earning, and mm -hmm. it would be, uh, you know, I control everything, own everything, and go back. You know, that was that was kind of my my point in the sand that i drove now this show is you know i think we've gotten 50 bucks in donations over the past year so three times revenue isn't very much <laughs> <laughs> hmm, what's the revenue split on that todd uh, cup of coffee that's what that uh, is <laughs> well yeah i think it's more you know dinner at a buffet in vegas maybe think, right yeah if we're lucky yeah we might right. have to chip you know throw a dime in for the sales tax or something but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't begrudge anyone for, for taking cash ever, especially if it's a big number and you control your feed and yeah, you know, there was some deals made in the early days of podcasting that really people got totally screwed on their shows. I mean, really right. badly. Right. Few got a few of them, a handful of them got out with their shows. Yeah. And a whole plethora of them went extinct over the deal. Mm -hmm. You know, signing too high of an exclusivity and could not escape the contract and recover their audience and their feed and their, you know, they just, they got so pissed off, they quit. Some people went on to yeah. do different shows. Right. And there's been a history of famous people in podcasting that have gotten screwed and taken shows away. Ladies too. Right. Some that, you know, are not really even doing too much podcasting stuff or probably none at this time. Right. So, you know, as long as the deal allows you to retain your brand and has an out clause, 
take the money. Right. And if Panoply, you know, if they're still writing, if their checks aren't bouncing with the, you know, influx of cash they got, take the money. Right. So I saw um, James Cridlin wrote an article as well. So all sorts of people creating content out there with the Spotify and Joe Rogan deal. What now for podcasting's open ecosystem? Does Spotify threaten the open ecosystem of podcasting or do we actually have an open ecosystem to defend is his argument. Yeah, we do, but there's why it's not a defend. It's a distribution point. Well, it's open. I think his point is, is that, you know, Apple owns 65% of the market, right? But Apple is not, you know, you, you don't need a, all you need to listen to podcasts on Apple is an iPhone, which you're probably going to have a user account anyway, and the app. Right. And, and he, I mean, his argument is that Apple actually is responsible for probably 75% of the plays yeah. because of their API access in apps like Overcast, oh, I CastBox, think it's much, I think Podcast it's much Attic, higher. and Podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's much higher than that because almost all the apps do API calls to Apple. Right. The, so, uh, Overcast, I don't think does. I think Overcast is the only one that has their own database. Pocketcast yeah. has a database too, but they you know they get their fresh, fresh right. shows from I think from right. Apple. Right, right, right. And that's just Marco. Marco wants to be in control of that stuff um, ultimately, and he realizes that Apple could pull the plug on that at any moment. Yeah, and so does Pocketcast as well. From that conversation we had with them here on the show, so you know, I, right? I you know Spotify is a, again we all. Everyone's loves Spotify as a destination. It's brought a new group of listeners. So, you know, no one's begrudging them that. And you have a choice whether you want to be in Spotify or not. You don't have to be there. Right. James's claim is that to claim that we have an open ecosystem is nonsense. And to bemoan a player with less than 10% market share for somehow destroying it is ludicrous. Yeah, it's not going to, they're not going to destroy it. So his argument really is that Spotify with 10% of the market is not going to destroy podcasting. No way. And I think that's, that's the bigger point is that a lot of people are saying, you know, Spotify is going to take over the podcasting market. Well, the truth is they got a long way to go. A long way to go. (laughs) And, And I think they have, they don't have enough money to write big enough checks to, to, cause you know, I'm going to be greedy. They come to me and they want to move me off. Okay. In my, in our position, they're, honestly, they're going to write a check bigger than a hundred grand. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going unless the payday is going to be so significant that I can sustain the, the verbal and mental abuse of 90% of this audience revolting on us. It would, ha- you know, that check would have to be so big. I'd say, listen, folks, they gave us, they gave us a half a million, <laughs> you know, half a million. We love you, but come see us on Spotify. You know, this show, now other shows, if they come to Geek News Central and want to write a check, now no one's going to listen to Geek News Central on Spotify to begin with. Yeah. So I don't begrudge content creators for taking the cash. Not even Panaply, I don't blame them. It's a win. We have to celebrate people that win. If, 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 if money's the main goal and it's a win for them, that's win. 
But for most podcasters, money's not the goal. And for many shows, it would not make it. It's actually a. It would be a bad idea for the show to go on Spotify exclusively. It would be you know be dumb. It will never go over there. That's you know we're we're using a hypothesis. It'll never come true. So James has another point. Apple launched this service um, after Podchaser had it, it begun, and that's that's the service of listing you know guests and hosts in their platform, and it kept it kind of. Uh, a private access type of function still is. Uh, they begun to add this data to podcast in a crowdfunded fashion, right? So it was kind of o- only open to some people. I know that this show got the opportunity to submit it in to, to there into Apple, and I just haven't done it. Um, Podchaser wow. data is, is available for licensing by others, oh. uh, and and James's own website pulls some of that data in under the agreement. It is Apple a, a closed and proprietary platform? And is that a reflection of an open, open ecosystem? So um, I think certain players in the space do things that's good for their platform, and that's always been the case. Uh, Apple has certainly created a namespace that everybody's adopted. They definitely carry a lot of power in the podcasting. And you only need to have a Apple account to be able to submit right. your show on right. You only need to have a Stitcher account to submit a show at Stitcher. You only need a Google account to submit your show at Google. So it's open. It's here. Here's, you know, people are, I don't know. It sounds to me like some people are trying to say that we're not open. Well, I think it's, it could be a pathway to, to justifying this path towards being more open to being closed. <laughs> right. A public RSS feed. It's available to anyone on in the world on the internet. We'll maintain the podcasting open space for as long as we know it. That's that's it. That's right. that's the comment. Again, mm-hmm. where we as content creators choose to be heard is our choice. I could take yeah. all my listings down Apple Podcasts. I could remo- I could could block Google. I could do all this stuff. I could, and I could say, come to newmediashow.com. That's the only place you can get some show. I would be an idiot to do that. Right. But that's my choice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what uh, Alex Jones. <laughs> well, he had no choice. Had, right. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was, he was, he was, you know, he was de-voiced. So well, just he wasn't devoiced. He was was, well. He was uh, he was deplatformed, taken down off of proprietary platforms. Right, right. So, and James also says, um, "Is Spotify trying to kill the RSS feed?" Well, Uh, though Spotify's podcasting uh, ecosystem uses RSS just as Apple does, um, but you know. By taking in a show like Joe Rogan, is that one step closer to negating RSS? I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan's show is still going to be fed to Spotify via an RSS feed. Maybe he'll have some special tools, but that RSS feed will not be public unless someone finds it. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's an interesting question, I, I guess. I mean, I know that, and just to give perspective on this discussion is that, you know, a lot of, I used to work for Xbox and on the, on, on the video publishing team with, uh, on the Xbox. And I know a lot of the major studios, you know, Sony and, and, and universal and all of these, um, studios that created television shows, they would actually uh, publish an XML feed, um, to Xbox that basically listed all the metadata for each of the series of the program, but they weren't available off of a publicly accessible URL. They, they were just sent as a document and those, those documents would be imported into the system with the media files, um, in a database exchange, uh, of, of, of sorts. So really that, X, that XML document, which was a proprietarily formatted XML feed of sorts, right? Yeah. The same type of thing was used to get television shows into proprietary platforms. So, you know, I don't know if that's what Spotify has envisioned for Joe Rogan or some of these shows, or if they're going to continue to use RSS feeds. But my guess is that if they really want to control it, they would have it off of a off a public URL. We will see. Shh. I know, I know. We're not supposed to talk about these things. Well, no, because you, okay. The, the, <laughs> the, little, the little stinker in me says, okay, go ahead, Joe. Move over there to, to keep your RSS feed. It's going over there. Then, you know, when you come off all these other platforms and let's see if other people find your public accessible RSS feed that's feeding right. Spotify and then cause a new sensation. So, but you know, someone I am so, so, see the cat's out of the bag. They're already going to figure out how to lock that feed down. I am sure. Well, you can do it easily. Yeah. It's easy enough. It's just a password protected XML document. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, we're already an hour 30. Let's wrap this up with something from popular mechanics that came out with the, oh my God, I see something on this list. Friends do not let friends podcasters don't let podcasters use yetis. I'll just say this from the beginning. This is a list they came up with. Yeah. Oh my god. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, so eh, blue yeti microphone, no. Road pod procaster microphone. Okay. Uh two hundred and twenty eight dollars. Uh high end for that mic. Boy. Yeah. Mono, most people will not. Okay. Hey, uh, hey, w- show this picture on this popular mechanics article to your significant other partner. Say, honey, can I put this up in the living room? And, right. and most exactly. will say no. Uh, and that, that mono price microphone isolation shield thing, that thing is tiny. And you're so you your fa- like your, in your face that. is going to be right up in that. Oh, yeah. That, how do you see your computer screen with all your show notes for your? You, you can't. So this that's is the, this is for voice. This is right. for voice work people. And what we're seeing right. for those of you listening is it's just like it's got a mic stand and then soundproofing like three inches from from your face. So yep, that right. doesn't work. There's Fo- probably enough room, you know, for you to hold a script or something like that in front of your face, but that's about it. Focus right, love your stuff, but this is not the product they have right now. The Roadcaster is the only product they have if you're getting into podcasting right now. Especially, especially at that price. Goodness. My God, $399? It's ridiculous. Wow. That's that's insane. 
what else have they I got? Mean, I mean, the Roadcaster Pro is is more than that, but it's does so much more. Adobe Edition. This is one I do agree with. I guess you can buy a, a year subscription. Yeah, I'm on. I I pay subscription for mine, so I do like the Adobe Edition. You can use any headset, earbuds. I'm using Shure in-ear microphones. You don't have to have a send this 300. Oh my God, $350 headset for headphones. Oh my, come on. And, and I'm sure oh, these are wireless too. You don't need wireless right. as a podcaster because your battery's going to die during an interview. Who wrote this article? And of course you can only podcast on a MacBook Pro. Of course, only. Oh, oh, and it does list, Todd, a Microsoft Surface Pro 6. Oh, okay. Alternative. That's exactly what I'm using right now. So 747 versus 1500. You can well, buy would, you can buy a regular PC. I L- would suggest getting a, a little bit better version of the Surface Pro 6. That's probably a Core i3 so, version. So I'm sure this, this, this article stinks of pay-to-play. This right. really stinks of someone saying, hey, can you, you know, we're, we're going to do the popular mechanics went out to a variety of companies. said we're going to run an article on how to start your own podcast. Would you like to be a sponsor of this to do, you know, I don't, when I see articles like this and the mismatch of, you know, this is all great gear in itself, but to me, I always get super, super suspicious. Of articles well like it's this. also it's linking to an amazon purchase page and it looks oh, like there's of course there's a promo code there, yeah there's well, the, there's an affiliate relationship affiliate going relationship on going right. on so right right it's a ridiculous article a lot of people see it todd oh yes those, they will that's those, what they need blue yetis will start showing up everywhere friends okay i, I have a long-term relationship with blue you know, they, the blue mouse I used for years, they provided that to me. I've got all kinds of gear from blue in the past. In blue, we interviewed one of our first live shows we did at CES. We actually, we were one of the first to actually get our hands on the blue Yeti when it was brand new in 2007, I think, eight. Yeah. And we actually... Got to talk about it. We did the product interview on our live show on the NBC Universal stage. I've got one. Where is that boat anchor? Oh, I've got it. I've got it um, sitting on. It's a huge microphone, too. It, it's a boat anchor. I, I, I've got it set on a, just as a, it, it is collecting dust as a display unit. So friend, it's a relic pod. Just call it what it is. It's a relic. Friends, don't let friends use a Yeti mic. Please, 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 please. Oh my God. I see people all the time talking right into the front of it. You know, it's instead of talking into it directly, it's right. Yeah. <sighs> you want to sound like you're in a cave, use the blue Yeti. All right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> the road Procaster microphones. Is, yeah. That's a pretty good choice. But, there's yeah. the road has other they have podcast specific microphones right right that the, are probably better than this is this the, a, is this a dynamic i can't it, it's I'm it's 228 dollars so it's you know it is it dynamic or condensed i'm sure it's dynamic i hope so because they shouldn't be re- recommending a condenser mic so okay it's a dynamic mic yeah 
Well, and there's nothing wrong with condenser in the right. I use condenser for wow. years. That's a whole different, a whole of, different studio setup. Right. Yeah. I don't. I really never recommend. I, I don't either. Yeah. You you have to have the right conditions and know how to use them to have a condenser. But all right. So we're at the end. We're we're long. So we need to get we out are. of here. Okay. Did we cover well, everything? I think we covered a lot. There, there actually was a lot more that we could have talked about. Bud. Oh, well, that's but, good. We'll save but, that for, are we going to do a Wednesday show? Are we okay doing a Wednesday show? Yeah, we should All be right. okay with that. Okay. But I mean, Todd, more and more um, of the real world podcasting events are starting to convert over to virtual. I saw that the AudioCraft uh, conference down in Australia has now gone virtual. So, so how did how did your event? Didn't you participate in that, or is it next week? The we no, are no, it, no, it was over this weekend. So, how yeah, did it I go? Did my uh, my live presentation last night. How many so, people were there? I don't know. I haven't seen numbers, so I don't know. So, did you so, do it pre-recorded or did you do it live? No, no, I did it live. Yeah. Did you get, what did they use? Zoom or what did they use? Uh, Zoom. Yeah. How were? Did you get questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of a lot, a lot of questions, and people wanted to get copies of my uh, my slide deck. So, so it was, it was just like a regular conference. There was I, probably like 200 comments or something like that. That ain't bad. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I was talking about uh, building strong connections with your audience and how to manage uh, co-host uh, relationships. Oh, really? Yes. How to manage co-host relationships. Oh, I'm sure that I, my ears were not burning at all. Yes. <laughs> how, to, how to manage co-host relationships have a contract. <laughs> well, that's, that's one way to do it, Todd. Well, right. considering what I've seen across my, come across my desk in the past couple of weeks, people are, people are, wow. Well, when there's big money involved, yeah. Oh, got to have that. Or right? when but, stuff goes sour in a relationship. <laughs> I think it's how you treat your co-host is, is oh, far, that's probably is true far too. more important yeah. than that. So, so when yeah. I smack on you, you smack on me, I guess we, we just, <laughs> it's good fun teasing. <laughs> right. right. I did ask Rob the other day, did I piss him off the other day when I was teasing him about the podcast Academy stuff a little bit? And he said, oh, it was expected. At least that's, I'm paraphrasing there. So. Well, I can, I can, I can pretty much predict what's going to come out of your mouth. Bud. I just put you that way. <laughs> well, we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> right. All right. So. Okay. So if we got any, if you got any value out of today, <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff, some heavy stuff. We though. did. And, uh, th throw us a nickel. The PayPal link is on <laughs> newmediashow.com. Because right. my streaming bill has come in again, and it's it it is definitely up. So uh, we uh, is it now? It, it, yes, it is. I would appreciate uh, you know if you throw me throw us a dime, <laughs> a nickel, so you're a, a Benjamin. About the, the downloads of the video podcast? No, about? no, the transcoding to be able to push to six or seven different locations at once. Oh, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, okay. So, and again, I do my own show, and also uh blueberries podcast insider on there too so i you know i do get a little money from blueberry to you know chip into that so it's not like i'm putting that whole bill so well and we shifted from doing only one show yeah to two, <laughs> to so two. That, that'll do it so i'd like to see i mean todd if you can look it up if if our numbers 
stayed the same. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't looked uh, in a couple of weeks. I will. Yeah, I mean, across, you know, if we when we added a new episode every week, did that lower our Saturday numbers or vice versa? Right. All right. Todd at Blueberry.com. At Blueberry is the company email. I mean, uh, Twitter at Geek News is my personal one. Rob? Right. I'm at uh, Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's on Twitter. So definitely follow me over there. And uh, if you want to reach out to me, send me an email, Rob G at Lipson.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And Nadia, uh, Nadia before we go, these are, um, if you just go to a B&H and you search for insure, in-ear, um, these are just basically off the shelf. I think these are a little expensive ones, but you can get in-ear ones from Sure at starting at $99. I think the ones I bought were about $300, um, but much, much better than doing big headset over the ear. And Rob, you're just using earbuds, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the iPhone's earbuds is all I'm using. So we, yeah. we need to get you uh, more professional and have the, have the cord going down the back of your neck. So. There you go, Todd. <laughs> That's what I need. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. We'll see you on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific for the next edition of the New Media Show. Everyone take care. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe out there. Yeah. Bye, everybody.